My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at ProBible.com. I'm joined by my co-host, Cade Onder, who's over at ComicBook.com these days. And today we are we are in a post-Batman world. So we are recording this Thursday night. So basically, it's been out for a week. My life has changed. I don't know if your life has changed. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I just it feel- So today's a bit of a come down, not to undersell the show, but it's just, you know, we ain't talking Batman this week. Maybe a little bit. Uh, we are talking DC, though, because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> DC and Warner Bros. are the epitome of two steps forward, one step back. Every time it seems like they have something good going for them, it seems that they somehow revert into the other direction with the latest example being all the hype about the Batman, all the praise, both from critics and fans, all of the money that it's racked up. People are feeling good about DC as we head into the new year. And not even a week after the Batman hits theaters, it's announced that their entire 2022 slate has been bumped back we've got black adam bumped from july 29th to october 21st we've got aquaman and the lost kingdom bumped from december 2022nd where it was previously supposed to take on avatar 2 that's been moved back to march 17th the flash has gotten a huge bump from november 2022 to june 2023 and that scares the shit out of me yeah uh and then, but Shazam Fury of the Gods was actually moved up six months and will release on December 16th. So now Shazam, the sequel to Shazam is the one being sacrificed to the yeah. Avatar <laughs> Gods. Good luck, buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, wow. I mean, I don't even know where to start. I think that really the place to start is The Flash because yeah. I worry that and... <laughs> If they went down this road, they would be dumber than I thought they were. Mm-hmm. But the thing with the Flash being delayed from, what is it, November to June. So that's eight months. I mean, that's almost a whole year. Just June is the sixth month of the year, right? Yeah. So it worries me that this is a response to how much people enjoy the new Batman. And there are going to be reshoots that are going to find a way to work him in. Now, I know that Matt, <laughs> I, I, I know Jesus, that Matt Reeves. Scary. Is, I know that Matt Reeves has said like his version of Batman is on Earth too. It's not in the DCU. He's doing his own thing. But I just can't wrap my head around what could cause such a lengthy delay. Now, because they moved everything back. Maybe there's an interconnectivity problem that once they move back Black Adam, they had to move them all back. But something about the massive time between Flash's original November 2022 date. It's overtaking Aquaman now. Like it's going because Aquaman is going to come out after. Now Flash is coming out after Aquaman. So it's it's a weirder delay. And it it had had that November date for a while. So the fact that it's being bumped now so far just makes me really worried. So Cade. What are your thoughts on DC films? What do you think is the reason behind this these delays, and how much do they worry you? So, uh, I, two things. I had seen a rumor that Black Adam is doing some reshoots, but test screens were positive, so it's just general stuff. I don't, I don't know the, the degree of that. And then the other thing was apparently the Flash has so many VFX shots, and there's such a like log jam. I think is how it was described of. Uh, these production houses dealing with all these new movies coming in that they can't effectively work on the flashes VFX stuff. 
right now. So they're delaying it. I don't know how much of that is like really true. I don't know if that's just an excuse or convenient. Um, Cause I feel like for a movie like this, if it, they're going to get it done, if they need to get it done. Right. You know, that's I mean, like eight months, movie. man. That's a long fucking time. Yeah. I can't imagine. And the movie's been done filming for a while, yeah. like since last fall or summer, at least. So does it worry me? I don't know. It, what's really funny to me is, I don't know if you got this, but uh, at the beginning of the Batman, there was a like a three minute trailer of like, here's 22 for DC. And I'm like, so I had seen that they had, <laughs> I, I, I had seen that they had attached that to the film. They had released that online. Like, right. A, yeah. A month or so ago. So, but it also just speaks to, so that very trailer, right. Speaks to what has been DC's problem for going on close to 10 years now, ever since right. man of steel came out. And it's what seems to just be a lack of foresight. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 How you kick off the year with, check out all this dope shit we got coming out. We think it's so dope. We're making a trailer for like a, yeah. like a multi-film trailer. Like I don't know if that's a very common thing. I know that Marvel rarely, are like, yeah. like they're like sizzle reels. But to make it around just your four DC movies and to be like marketing the facts that they're all coming mm-hmm. out this year, like that being the crux of the cell, only to pivot not even a week after your most successful film. I read that this was Warner Bros. biggest opening, I believe, since the first It in 2017. So to turn around and effectively cut the legs off of momentum that you've needed for a long time is worrisome. Is very, very worrisome. Yeah, it's 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 just confusing. Like like you said, the lack of foresight to to go ahead and push that because. Are you telling me like they didn't know last week they were delaying these movies? Like that's such a weird. And, and that is why. And even though I don't think, <clears throat> even though I don't think it's gonna happen in terms of, i.e., Matt Reeves's Batman popping up elsewhere, the timing of it naturally leads me to believe that it is somewhat influenced, whether it be because of a box office reason or mm-hmm. a storytelling reason. This decision has been informed by the Batman. And in what way is that going to bear itself out? I have no idea. But the fact that that's even the case is a problem. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like, was I G'd up for Black Adam? (laughs) You know, I mean, you know, I I was more G'd up for The Flash, mainly (laughs) because of the Batman in it. But it's just a matter of like, when you get a hit, you want to keep hitting, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to get on a hot streak and then get hurt and then be Mm -hmm. on the bench, you know, MLB just ended their lockout. You don't want to follow up a 10-game hitting streak by a two-month stint on the DL. Because then yeah. you got to work your way back to fitness and start to get your eye on the ball again. And it just delays everything positive that you had going for you. So, whew, I mean, yeah, that's it. I'm frustrated. I'm not going to lie. I'm frustrated. Hopefully, yeah. this results in a ultimately better quality for all four films. Well, three films since one right. has been moved up. And I'm praying that that's the case. But I am just so concerned about, as you pointed out, the fact that they released a trailer not so long ago that this decision was likely known in their minds a week, two weeks prior. Mm -hmm. And now in the wake of the success of Batman, they're like, oh, not so fast. We're still, you know what I mean? We're still pulling our shit. Yeah. Like they were, they were strategically aligned for like a movie every like what, three months or so. Like, yeah. and, and one, you know, Flash and Aquaman back to back a month apart. Like that's, that's a good synergy you got going where 
it feels like DC has never been had like a consistent release schedule like Marvel does, where I can reliably count on one like every three or four months, right? DC's like we have one in six months and then one in a year, and it's like what what is going on? Everything's so sporadic and spread out. There's no cohesion, and it's just it's furthering itself, and it's like. I don't know. And with rumors of the flash being like, we're going to kind of shake up how we structure the DC universe and maybe not stick to a concrete plan and be more standalone. It's like, what's the fuck's going on? (laughs) By the time the flash comes out, it'll be almost two years since the last DCU film, which I believe is the suicide squad. Christ. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, Two years. That's a long time. You know, that's yeah. half of a presidential term. Like a lot yeah. of days, you know what I mean? Like, that's a fucking long time. So, yeah, man, DC, look, the Batman is great. I think they've got something special here. But this is just a reminder that they still aren't quite a well-oiled machine that both they would like to be and both fans would like them to be. So, right. All right, moving on. Let's run through some quick hitters, and then we will be naming the sequel to the Batman before we break down the trailer for Obi-Wan Kenobi. We will then be drafting the best Netflix movies of all time before I interview the director of The Adam Project, Stranger Things, Free Guy, et cetera, et cetera, Sean Levy. Okay, speaking of the Batman, Kaken, absolutely Kaken, earned $134 <laughs> million domestic, $248 million global. Um, as I said, I believe that's Warner Bros. biggest opening in half a decade yeah. <laughs> since 2017's It. It will also, this is this is the dopest part of our new streaming world. The Batman yeah. is set to hit HBO Max on April 19th. Awesome. Now that is fucking sick. I have seen it in theaters twice. Mm-hmm. I will likely see it a third time if I just yeah. get bored one day. I'm like, you know what? I'm going <laughs> to just go see the Batman. But the fact that fans like us who want to watch again and again can have it that quickly... I have somebody who replied to me on Twitter who's a parent, and he's like, I can't find time to right. to go see it. So I'm stoked that that's going to be on online so soon. So I am glad that HBO Max is keeping that 45-day release window um, because I'm going to be playing that shit on a loop. Yeah, the the movie <laughs> also. In the it's way. Gonna, it's going to be great. It's going to be Batman 24 <laughs> hours a day. Uh, the movie also cracked $300 million in total this weekend, yeah. or uh, this, this week. Uh, I think yesterday they said it had 300 million global. So it's, and that's like what, another 50 million in three days. That's pretty yeah. impressive. Now, let me ask you, and I imagine, I mean, all films um, lose a bit of steam in their second weekend, but I think the word mm-hmm. of mouth of people being like another Batman movie, Robert Pattinson, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like yeah. hearing it's fire will convince them to go out this week. Now, Kate, when we spoke about the film last week, you had only seen it once. So quickly, did your second viewing change your thoughts on it at all? Whether that be better or worse, uh, I I I definitely liked it probably more. It felt faster. I don't know if that was because I knew where it was going, and I, which is weird because if it was if I knew where it was going, I expected to slog more because I I'm not as engaged with the mystery, but I was like I was still totally in it. And I said like to some some people like I wanted to get a snack during the movie, and it took me like a solid two hours or so before I felt comfortable. Like, all right, I can, I can skip out on this scene. Right. So I was like, that movie does not have a lot of fat on it, even though it is three hours. It, yeah. it is a efficient movie. Yeah. Uh, That's great. So yeah, I I'm, I'm excited to see people are engaging with this movie. There's a lot more social media buzz now it's out than I felt like there was before it was out. Um, and I've seen some people I know who don't follow a lot of this stuff, but they're like, wait, Robert Pattinson's Batman. I kind of want to see it now. And so I think it's going to get 
a second win now that people have been like, it's good. Robert Pattinson's in it. He's good. Uh, I'm excited to see how it does this week. This next piece of news is fucking wild. Will- <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it, it, it's awesome. Don't get me wrong, but it's fucking wild. Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan to star in an I Am Legend sequel. Now, if you've seen the 2007 film, which I believe remains like the second biggest opening of Will Smith's career. This was sort of at like the tail end of his true movie stardom. He spent like the last 10 years, frankly, putting out shit movies. But Mm. this movie is fucking awesome. I actually just watched it a few weeks ago. And online, there's been talks like, how is this going to work? There was an alternate ending where Will Smith's character survives Mm. and sort of gives the uh, fixed zombie like to her people. And they, Mm. I I don't know, fuck off, I guess. But... (laughs) (laughs) I'm very curious to see exactly how they construct this. I don't think that they're going to, I would find it shocking if they were to assume that people have sought out the alternate ending on YouTube and built it off of there. So I think that they just may backdoor it. Like, Hey, it turns out that the (laughs) grenade in his hand didn't kill. I really, I don't know how they're going to do it. The fact that they have Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan, who are very like, there's like a generational mirror between right. the, the two of them, right? Like, sure. I mean, Jordan is not quite as big of a star as Smith was at the time, and there's no telling he ever will be, mm-hmm. but he is definitely one of the bigger movie stars that we have. So, on paper, I'm absolutely down. Yeah. And Michael B. Jordan's directing Creed 3 right now, which is super awesome. Uh, I can't wait to see what he does with that. He's a talented guy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just as curious as you as to where they take this sequel because um, they they set it up kind of like for a sequel at the end of the theatrical cut where she takes the cure to this community. I guess it don't have to be a sequel. That could just be the end. It, you assume what happens with that. But um, it's it's interesting that they're coming back to this. And I wonder if it's a prequel. It seems unlikely because he's always been like this guy who's always alone in the city or whatever. But uh, I Am Legend is a fucking awesome movie, uh, and I, I am eager to see them hopefully knock it out of the park, especially because Will Smith recently said, like, he's like, I wasn't too interested in the sequel. I always kept turning them down, but they came to me with a really good idea, and I'm down for it. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe his involvement in the film is in, like, a flashback type maybe role. Yeah. Uh, a new Alien film is in the works from Don't Breathe filmmaker Fetty Alvarez set to direct. Ridley Scott will executive produce, and it is not connected to the previous films. That is also in addition to the Alien series that is going to come out on FX next year. Dope. Sounds good to me. Uh, Matt Reeves says one of the Batman spinoffs will center on Arkham Asylum, which is virtually taking the place of the planned GCPD series. Once again, that sort of highlights Warner Bros' general lack of foresight that something like, like this could even happen. But I love Arkham a lot. And I also think that a cop procedural is a well-worn idea. So I do Mm -hmm. think that doing something at Arkham is a bit more unique. I'm just not sure it's as sustainable. Like with the GCPD series, you had the in of Jeffrey Wright's Gordon is your lead character. Mm -hmm. I don't know who they're going to center a show around a legit insane asylum is going to be on. Knowing this, though, as we talked about last week, definitely a cool way for them to potentially introduce more villains yeah wouldn't shock me if that's the route that they go down florence Pugh in talks to play princess irulan that's my best shot in <laughs> part two. uh it also came out that austin butler is in talks to play a character in dune part two so they're adding 
major stars, which mm-hmm. tells me that Dune Part 2 will be more expansive than just being a sequel to Dune Part 1. Yes. That it will stand on its own as an, its own film. The first look at Matthew Vaughn's Argyle drops with a lot of people talking about Henry Cavill's hair. Uh, it just looks like he sort of lo- looks like a G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not, not G.I. Joe. Have you ever seen Small Soldiers? Yes. <laughs> you got to remind me of that guy. Um, <laughs> Now, I heard rumors, I saw this on a tweet from uh, Daniel RPK, who's usually good with this stuff, that Cavill is not actually the lead and we're being misdirected and Mm. that his role is a cameo, which would perhaps explain the frankly goofy look that he's got. (laughs) Like if they're going to make a joke out of him and then just blow his head off or something, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, That film, which is going to be hitting Apple TV Plus, I believe this year, also stars John Cena, Bryce Dallas Howard, Sam Rockwell, Brian Cranston. Ariana DeBose, Samuel L. Jackson, and Dua Lipa. So stock cast. Dua, I didn't know she was in there. <laughs> Dua Lipa, my girl. Um, <laughs> her, Zoe Kravitz, and and that chick from Boba Fett. Oh, right. uh, the one with the, the, the oh my god, the to- Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Cra- the cast of Craven the Hunter starting to fill out. Christopher Abbott has been cast to play the Foreigner. Ariana DeBose is playing Calypso. Fred Hetchinger is playing Chameleon. Uh, Alessandro Nivola from the Sopranos prequel is playing an undisclosed villain. While Russell Crowe is, while his role has not been announced, it's speculated that he'll be playing a member of Craven's family. Craven, of course, is being played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. Prime Video is in talks with PlayStation to make a God of War series. Um, I find this fascinating because they're also working on Fallout and mass effect mm-hmm. um kate thoughts amazon is uh taking a lot of ip which is very interesting with lord of the rings this and fallout mass effect obviously lord of the rings is not a video game <clears throat> but um i i'm fascinated what they're possibly going to do with this because as far as i can recall some of the lead people on these games were like we don't want to do a tv series or movie we'd rather just stick to the games because they're very cinematic as is you know what else do you do so I'm curious if they'll do a direct adaptation of the games, kind of as if they're doing with The Last of Us and expanding a little bit more, or if they'll do a completely new take. Because um, I know the Fallout thing is not necessarily based on a game, which is probably a smart take because mm. that's such a rich world. Even though um, dog meat or we riot? I hope they have dog meat. I, I don't know. You got to have dog meat. Um so yeah, I'm I'm very interested. I I hope they can pull all these off. I feel like one of these will struggle along the way, but I'm I I'm hopeful that they can nail all of them because they're they're fucking some of the best franchises. They're uh, certainly tackling big games. Like these yeah, are all these are not small games. Yeah, not in terms of like popularity, just in terms of the sheer scope of these games. Exactly. Huge. Yeah. If anyone can afford it, it's them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Sean Levy says that he and Ryan Reynolds have four films in the works, one of which is the sequel to Free Guy. The other three have not been announced. You can catch him talk about that more at the end of this podcast when we speak to him. Then we got a little bit of a scoop from Dylan O'Brien. I asked him about the Nightwing fan casting, and I wasn't going to, but he tweeted about the Batman the night before I spoke to him. And if you scroll through the replies, it's all Nightwing, Nightwing, Nightwing. So I asked him if he was aware of that. He said he was. He said, quote, I've not heard anything about it on the professional side, but it's cool that it's made its way to me to the point where I asked my manager, is this even an actual thing? Though some people online have taken this as a very Andrew Garfield-esque quote. There is (laughs) speculation that he could appear in um, 
Batgirl because mm-hmm. the Flash is set to retcon the DCEU. So whereas one of the Robins, which we assumed was Dick Grayson, was shown as dead in mm-hmm. Batman v Superman, that could be flipped on its head. There was also people spotted a mural of Keaton's Batman on the set of Batgirl. Right. And next to that Batman is a Robin. So we Mm -hmm. know that some version of Robin is going to be introduced into the DCEU in some way, shape, or form. As I'm talking now, I realize uh, Batgirl's got to be delayed too, right? Like, how is that going to come out before The Flash? So That's a a movie, right? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't they have said so? Uh, You would think so. They didn't. Yeah, so that... Fuck. <laughs> so stay tuned for our chat with Dylan next week. He's promoting a film called The Outfit, which also stars um Academy Award winner Mark Rylance. I actually really enjoyed it. It's like a slow burn thriller set in one room. Nice. Oh yeah, I saw a trailer for that. It looks yeah, cool. So pretty good. All right, moving on. So this week we put out a tweet saying, What do you think the sequel to The Batman will be called? And went somewhat viral, not massively, but I do think it spurred an interesting conversation. Yeah. And the reason that I asked it is because all of the logical Batman titles have sort of been used already. Um, right. And I think that the the Batman makes it trickier than if mm-hmm. the the wasn't in there. Now, a lot of people responded with jokes. Two bat, two man uh, was a popular one. Uh, the Batman was popular. But some people replied with genuine, serious ones. So I wanted to share some thoughts that you and I had. Now, I had tweeted that I think that, I and you had said the same thing, I can't picture it being subtitled, yeah. nor can I picture it being the Batman 2. Now, mm-hmm. I could see it being the Batman Part 2. Maybe. Maybe, but that also feels like it's waiting a bit too much onto Dune's corner. Right. Um, <laughs> so I think that if you take those facts into account, when you also combine the fact that other than the film itself, the number one talking point that people seem to be loving is Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. Yeah. So I could see this sequel being titled The Batman and the Catwoman. Sure. Um, I also think it could be something of, so blank of the Batman. So three mm-hmm. that I wrote down were The Legend of the Batman depending on how dark it gets, the fall of the Batman, or if they want to do like a long Halloween riff, it could literally mean like the season fall. Sure. And, then, and then the night of the Batman. So those, I like that one. So, so those would be my four um, fan title ideas. Cade, what do you have cooking? Well, I, I, I really had trouble with this too, because like, I, I wonder if Matt Reeves has any idea too, but like I went back to one of his movies, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Batman, something like that, you know? Like, Well, don't you think Dawn is kind of off I guess, limits as uh, sure. those scars have not healed yet? Yeah, that's fair. There's there's some other stuff like I can't Thematically, see though, it would make tons of sense. Right, yes, yeah. exactly. Um, I can't see them doing like the Caped Crusader, which would be like, you know, the opposite of Dark Knight. I think that's right. too corny. Like, Absolutely. Um, and I don't see them like even echoing the words of the dark knight i think that they're just going to stay as far away from that as possible um so it's really tricky he's in a he's, i say a corner it's not that big of a deal but like right. um it, i i'm curious as the naming convention so I, I think they will have a consistency to them and not mm. like the batman 2 and then like the fall of the Batman is the third one or whatever. It, it would right. be, right. you know, like the pick, Nolan movies. And I just can't like to the subtitle thing. Like I just have a hard time. I just think it makes marketing harder than it needs to be. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like if you title it, the Batman 
Heart of Ice. I just think that that ugly. complicates it too much. Now, I could see the Batman Vengeance, like something like that. Yeah. But I think directly naming it after a comic book or storyline just makes it a bit too sticky. It's on the nose too, right? Yeah. You, you want to not make it on your sleeve, right? Or put it on your sleeve. So I, I think there's a lot of different ways they can do it. And I wonder if he will come up with it or if the marketing team will just be like, here's what we're doing. Go with it. Well, <laughs> after the disaster, and we just brought this up, I mean, I forget who, I think it was uh, maybe David Goyer. You're right. Um, who brought it up that said Warner Bros. pretty much shoved the dawn like the batman yeah superman dawn of justice title down snyder's throat like that was a pure marketing concoction i am hoping given the resounding response to this film that they've learned yeah i i hope to kind of keep their hands out of it um yeah i mean could you see something like the world's greatest detective maybe that that might be too like general the batman the world's greatest detective maybe it's it's hard to say uh it's it's funny though because the batman is not matt reeves's title it was ben affleck's right like that was his like working title i suppose right but But, i'd argue that that was pretty much the only reasonable one left on the board right batman we've gotten the dark knight as you've said the cave crusader is a bit too corny. So the Batman was like, I feel like regardless of who helmed this film, that was going to be its name. Yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, it is. It is funny that like it, it almost kind of like he didn't even really call it that. That's kind of what we called it. And it stuck. Right, yeah. <laughs> so even though that was kind of just like the only option that really made sense. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where they take it. But I, I really have no idea. Yeah, I mean, Reeves is working on the HBO Max spinoffs. I mean, the guy has mm-hmm. been hard at work for this film for four or five years at this point. So I imagine he's going to want a bit of a break, but given the <laughs> success and the status of the character as a whole. So we're in the year 2022. I would imagine the sequel is going to hit the years 2025 at the latest. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. At the latest. Um, um, yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. And then when we get back, we are talking about the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. And then we will be talking about the best Netflix movies of all time. The fight is done. We lost. All right, and we are back. The first trailer for Obi-Wan Kenobi, Disney's <coughs> highly anticipated limited series, dropped this week. That uh, They also dropped some first-look photos. Pretty, uh, they, they're keeping this one close to the chest, considering that it's going to release on May 25th. Today is... March 11th. That's only about Mm. eight to 10 weeks from now. I think the general consensus, whether you're a hardcore Star Wars fan like my old co-host Brandon or a casual like me, and I think you're kind of casual, right? More more than not, yeah. That this is the most anticipated Star Wars show that they've put out yet. The reason for that is quite twofold. One, the character status, but also the status of the actor playing him. Pedro Pascal is a star now, you and McGregor's been a star for two decades at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So seeing him saddle back up in this role is a huge thrill for fans. Now, this trailer was pretty bare bones. Obi-Wan is basically in it the least. Yeah. I, think I'd, I, I think I'd say it's more so focusing on the Inquisitors, which is mm-hmm. uh, Moses Ingram as Reva, a.k.a. the third sister, uh, Rupert Friend as the Grand Inquisitor, and Sung Kang as the fifth brother. 
Now, all that's to say that this was more of a vibe trailer, right? That it's mm-hmm. just sort of setting up what the atmosphere and tone of the show is going to be. So, Cade, what are your baseline thoughts of what we've seen so far? First of all, I was surprised this dropped this week because I had no idea this was coming. Obviously, they like the morning of, they dropped the Entertainment Weekly stuff, and then it was a huge surprise. So that was really, really cool. But it's got a dark tone, like which is kind of, I think we talked about this a little bit, where I was like, I want them to lean into this being kind of a tragedy. And uh, mm. they seem to be doing so. And, and it, like the very first words are like, we lost. You know, yeah, it's great, over. Great line. Great yeah. line. And and I'm like, dude, all right, they get it. They know what I want. And it's it's more about like him trying to make sure he can protect Luke in the way that he failed Anakin, you know, making sure this kid does not grow up to be dark and make sure he doesn't get hurt. Um, and that's that's really cool. And obviously he's going on some sort of adventure. He's leaving Tatooine um, and, and whatever the hell he's doing. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised by how little he's actually in this trailer. He's in it at the beginning and pretty much the end. I don't think there's this much. This leads of him in the me middle. to believe that this is going to be a six-parter. Mm-hmm. Everything we've seen is from the first episode or two maximum. Probably, it seems like a fair bet. But whatever's going on here, like they they don't really reveal too much of the story, other than. These inquisitors are hunting down Jedi, presumably, and possibly Obi Wan specifically. I mean. I guess Anakin knows he was alive last time he saw him. So he knows Obi-Wan's probably still out there. Oh, he damn uh, well knows. Yeah. yeah. So so there's there's a lot going on there. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it's handled. Uh, Uncle Owen uh, is, is kind of prominently featured. He seems like he's getting into some shit. I wasn't sure if he would just kind of be there in the background, but looks like he's getting into some action in some capacity or caught up in something. Um, so generally, I mean, the music... Is that that got me? That got me fucking good. Yeah, and speaking of that, real quick, John Williams recorded a new theme for the show. I don't so know if they unveiled it or not. I don't think so because everything I think that we've heard in the trailer, we've heard before. But yeah. man, this guy—he's in his nineties and he's still a fucking god. This, that's and that that probably speaks to the quality of this in some capacity because mm. I think the last Star Wars thing he did was uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker. So if you're getting him back. And for a TV show, that seems special yeah, to me. So, yeah. so I'm I'm excited by that. So, as I touched on, Obi Wan really isn't doing much except like staring off into like the distance <laughs> for the entire trailer. We don't see him. We we see him in in a shootout. We don't see him wielding a lightsaber. Now, I think that's because he's in hiding. I mean, this <laughs> is ten years after Order sixty six, so a lightsaber would be a dead yeah, giveaway to be like, I that. think that guy's a Jedi. So yeah. <laughs> that would perhaps explain why he seems to be going as incognito as possible. I am curious to see what episode do they play the lightsaber card. You know what I mean? Because him yeah. pulling out that blue gonna sword is going to be a fucking moment, right? So yeah. how long do they wait? You know, if they wait like halfway through, that's fine with me. But the second half better be saber out the ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have, I am showing up to this show to watch very much like I showed up to the Batman to watch Batman do Batman shit. I'm showing up to Obi-Wan to watch Obi-Wan do yeah. Obi-Wan shit. So and I feel like him, you know, we haven't really seen Obi-Wan use his saber as much as you would like to unless you've sure. watched Clone Wars and mm-hmm. Rebels. We get the battle in Revenge of the Sith, which is great. 
we get a bit at Attack of the Clones, I think. And then we, of course, get the Duel of the Fates battle in Phantom Menace. But other than that, the the backlog of him dueling in live action is quite small. So I'm hoping that this show fills it out a bit more. Given the sheer... Uh, go ahead, Kate. Well, I was going to say, even when he fights Grievous, I think he loses his lightsaber pretty quickly. Or right, like they, yeah. they go on a chase and he kills him with a gun. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it, he's... It, I, I hope to see a lot of it there. And I'm, I'm interested because I think he can really play into that by like maybe the first couple of episodes, he's just using the force to kind of protect himself. If he gets like, he's trouble. almost scarred by it. Right. He doesn't right. want to touch it. Yeah. yeah. And and then you get a big reveal. Like, have you played the 2018 God of war game? Uh, no, but I'm going to soon. I think. Okay. I won't say anything then, but, uh, Oh, why is it a plot thing? Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you want to make a point, well, there, there's a moment where Kratos brings out his weapons from the original game. And it's like, he does not want to touch those. And so when he goes to get them, it's it's very powerful. And you're like, this means some shit's about to go down. Yeah. So to maybe play into that in this show and be like, I got to get the lightsaber. I got to dig it back up. Maybe he's buried it somewhere. And he's like, all right, I have to suit up. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm getting hyped. <laughs> I'm getting hyped just thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing that leads me to believe is that this show will be more action heavy. I mean, look, of course there's going to be more action than they showed, but the reason I think that we're going to get a good dose of Obi-Wan doing his thing is the sheer number of Inquisitors that we see. So the Inquisitors are like an order of basically like Jedi hunters. This is kind of a crude way to put it, but George Lucas had based the Empire off Nazis. Mm -hmm. So the Inquisitors are like the SS, like they're the secret elite police kind of who go out to do the Emperor's bidding. So in the trailer, we see, I I believe, three of them. And we've encountered over the course of Star Wars lore, the fifth brother, seventh sister and eighth brother in Rebels. We've seen the second sister and ninth sister in Jedi Fallen Order. And we've seen the fourth sister and 10th brother in the comics. Mm -hmm. How many of them we're going to see in this show? I don't know, but they showed us at least three of them. I'm assuming Obi-Wan is going to have to cut these fuckers down at some point. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Unless they're keeping them alive for something else, which Mm -hmm. I can't really imagine, given that only hardcores really give a shit. So if you look at it like (laughs) like in, and this is your space, like a very video game-esque structure where he needs to defeat a boss in order to move on throughout the story you know we could it could very well he has to take on inquisitor 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 vader over the course of 50 percent of the show like that would be fucking sick so i definitely think that even though the trailer in terms of content didn't really give us much in terms of setting the tone and the scope and getting people just excited about seeing this character again i think was remarkably successful now A couple of further news and notes from the trailer itself. We're going to a new planet, finally, even though Mm -hmm. Tatooine, once again, seems to be the home base of the show. We're going to Dayu, which has been described by a writer as a Hong Kong-like setting. We've seen a city like this in Mando, kind of. We saw a city like this, kind of, in The Rise of Skywalker. But I mm-hmm. love urban Star Wars. So um, Coruscant, I think, is the name. Like that was one of mm-hmm. my favorite locales. I love the idea of like New York in space. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. So seeing Obi Wan, uh, and not to loop it back to the Batman, but like, could we be getting sort of not quite a detective story, but like Obi Wan moving through the shadows mm-hmm. of the Empire underworld? Sure. To do what he needs to do. That's sort yeah. of the vibe that I got here. Do you think 
the emperor will show up? Well, that was my next point. We know somebody's showing up, right? So sure, Darth, yeah. Darth is a guarantee. Okay. Yes. That has already been confirmed. So. Yeah. Kathleen Kennedy, when they announced the show, described it as the rematch of Century today in the piece from EW. Hayden Christensen said, we're going to see a very powerful Vader, arguably outside of Rogue One, the most powerful that this is not his quote. This is my thoughts. Outside of Rogue One, this may be the most powerful we've ever seen Vader, so. which yeah. is a very exciting prospect. And then Joby Harold, I'm not sure what role he has. I think he's the writer says his, as in Darth, shadow is cast across much of what we do. He's very much a part of the show emotionally for Obi-Wan and possibly beyond that as well. Possibly beyond that as well. It's interesting. <laughs> you know that leads me to, friend? Hmm. Ahsoka. Yes. And the reason yeah. that I say that is because, A, there is the Clone Wars context of them basically. Have you watched that show? I've watched uh, like two seasons of it. Yeah. They're virtually like best friends, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's like, is that a fair way to? Yeah. And then Rebels, I know they kind of have a showdown because he's Darth Vader and it's there's some traumatic stuff that has happened there. As so far not as only do you have the context of Clone Wars, but you have the context of the book of Boba Fett where her right. and Luke Skywalker share that moment. And she's like, I forget exactly how Anakin comes up. But they have an exchange about him. And we had pointed out how cool it is that Ahsoka probably knows more about him than Luke does. Yeah. So I think looping her in not only I think it's not cheap. I think it makes legitimate storytelling mm -hmm. and plotting sense. But I also think it does serve as that sort of storytelling connective tissue to not only Boba Fett, but to her own show. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a Clone Wars live action flashback. So, if, which if may not be more, if not more yeah. than, than one. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could totally see them going back to some sort of, you know, events uh, that maybe wasn't shown in the show uh, where all three of them are together. And that'd be a really cool moment where you have Hayden Christensen out of the suit. Cause I think the chances outside of that are very slim that you're going to get Hayden Christensen. Cause Mask like off. Yeah. Like you'll probably see like a, a scarred face a couple times, maybe, but like, there's no reason for him to take off that suit. That thing is keeping him alive. So, like, uh, it, it was very interesting to me that they did cast him because they could have gotten anybody. Because um, he, I don't think he was in row one. I think it was just some someone else. So right. you could totally have gotten someone else. So I think if you're casting him, you're doing it because you need him for something. Uh, so that's so interesting. Other possible. I mean, I think Ahsoka, especially because of that quote, makes the most sense. Yeah. Other possible cameos appearances that I come up with Ventress, who mm -hmm. I believe is like, he has like a sexual relationship with. Am I correct in that one? I'm not totally familiar. Let me, so. uh, let, me let me double check here because I know he's fucking somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, this is the, yeah, they, they, in, uh, they, the animated movie, right? They would flirt. Yeah. Okay. They yeah. had like a, a flirty thing. So Ventress, uh, the Duchess Satine, Darth Maul, Rex, or clone troopers in general. And then, as I said, Ahsoka. Oh, and this is also a year before Solo, or a year after Solo. There could be Solo as well. You never know with Star Wars who could pop up at any given time. Right. I am hoping that they don't lean too far into cameo porn, as not only is this the first time in a long time that Ewan is playing this iconic character, but it's probably the last. So More I want to spend as much time with his story and his journey and his art yes. as much as possible. 100%.
Uh, I heard someone describe something recently after they saw Spider-Man No Way Home and they said they really liked the movie and they liked all the stuff that happens in it. But the fear is that uh, every big prod property will turn into a sitcom where you have the character, the guest star coming through the door and you right. get the big round of applause. Right. And it just turns into that every movie or show. And I, I echo that because that is something that I could totally see happening. But um, Obi-Wan is such a rich character and he he's enough right you don't yeah. need, it's not like Boba Fett where it's kind of him and Darth Vader yeah what do you that's need? all you need <laughs> I don't need anybody else to show up if Ahsoka shows up that's cool but like I'm totally like that's my cameo like <laughs> now to put an asterisk on it if they're in flashbacks I mm. think that that creates a different rule set and sure. then they could play a bit more fast yeah. and loose with who shows up but yeah. when we're talking present day storyline I just want it to be Obi-Wan focused right and one more thing that I will say in this regard, and it's become cliche to describe limited series or shows that like, oh, it's like a 10 hour long movie, right? Right. Obi-Wan does seem to have more of a cinematic quality than mm-hmm. any of the previous Star Wars shows have had. Now, whether that be a result of the prestige of the character that it, you just have this sense right. of awe or the actual tangible filmmaking just felt a bit more cinematic than me, certainly Mm -hmm. when compared to like Boba Fett. I just think that they are really treating this like a six hour movie. And hopefully with that being the case, aren't eager to branch off storylines left, right, and center. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Boba Fett is more of like a Mandalorian is more of a, like a serialized show, you know, and that Mm -hmm. makes sense for that story. And then I want to see them tackle this as like, these are the last days of Obi-Wan basically before, you know, he ends up fighting Darth Vader and right. a new hope, but like, this is kind of his last few years and he's going to go through some shit. Well, you <laughs> put out a tweet, right? Isn't mm-hmm. he, isn't he only supposed to be nine years younger than he is in a new hope? Something like that. Like you and McGregor he's basically is, an old fucking man. Yeah. Old he, man, Obi. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's 50 right now. And Alec Guinness was 62 and he played him in a new hope. So <laughs> Yeah. Good. Yeah. Damn, so, that dude did not age well. Holy no, shit. no. Which has been funny because people are like, why doesn't he look like Alec Guinness? I'm like, Alec Guinness just like, that was a different time. I don't know what was in yeah. the water for old people at that time. But I mean, that's back before that they knew that cigs were bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the desert does some shit to you. So I'm sure. Yeah. They'll get there. All right. So those are my thoughts. Cade, do you have any parting thoughts on the Obi-Wan trailer? Do you think we'll get another one? Um, I don't know. Do they usually do two trailers for shows? I don't. I, I don't, don't know. No, but given the sort of shallow nature of this, they've got to, yeah, market Darth a bit. It was a little think, more right? hollow, right? Like it was yeah. more of just like a tone piece, kind of more than anything else. So I could totally see them. Yeah, I see that happening. Maybe uh after Moon Knight is out, because we'll be in like probably May or like in the middle of Moon Knight. Uh, we'll probably have a better sense of that and, and be able to say like, all right, here's our next thing. And here's what it is. Yeah. So, I yeah, mean, I you've that. got star Wars day on May 5th, which is three weeks before the show comes out. That right. feels like a prime. Time. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, location. All right. Pumped. Uh, also this year, we're supposed to be getting Andor and potentially season three of Mando. If they could do all the effects on time, I think production on that is set to wrap this month. In fact, so mm. Fingers crossed there. All right, moving on to our Netflix movie draft, which is basically a discussion about the greatest Netflix original films of all time. We are doing this today because the release of, by the time that you hear this, The Adam Project, Sean Levy's latest film starring Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo, Zoe Saldana, Jennifer Garner, A-list cast, very sort of 80s Steven Spielberg sci-fi vibes. 
Do I think it's a great movie? No. Do I think it's watchable and enjoyable? Absolutely. If you've got time, I would check it out. But the reason that that sort of spurred the idea of talking about, especially as Netflix inches closer and closer towards IP blockbusterification of their brand, mm-hmm. I thought this would be a good chance to talk about the best movies that they've put out so far. So Kate and I are going to pick five films each. The distinction is that when you go on Netflix, it must have the Netflix logo on it. So let me be clear that this includes movies that they've acquired to distribute. So they may not have created it themselves. So I once watched this and at risk of revealing a pick that I might take, (laughs) I'm assuming that you've never heard of this movie. So I'm going to go with it. They released a French animated film called I Lost My Body. Now, while... They're not the ones who made it. They're the place in the United States where you can watch it. And if, you go, on, and if you go on the website, they put the Netflix stamp right. on it. So I think that that is what counts. Now, five picks each. We each must draft at least one drama, one action, and one comedy slash animation slash musical slash horror. And then our final two picks could be whatever we want. Now, I'm going to do a little online coin flip to see who goes first Cade other than that any questions or thoughts nope I got it all right heads or tails pal I'll do heads all right heads it is you have first pick sweet uh what what order are we going in so you could take whatever you want first okay whether it be drama comedy etc etc I got a lot of good picks I feel like and this Uh, is strategy right you've got to think about what is there more of what am I going to have a chance to select later etc etc I think in terms of pure quality and value there's an obvious number one pick now if you get into the conversation (laughs) of drafting strategy I think that that changes but -hmm. I think in terms of pound for pound what's the best Netflix has ever done I personally think that there's only one clear choice I'm going to go with the Irishman. Yep. <laughs> yep. There it yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, come on. Yeah. Martin Scorsese, like a three and a half hour, like mob movie deconstruction, you know, it gets, I saw that in a movie theater with a bunch really? of old people. Yeah. With a bunch <laughs> of old people. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they played at like a, an art house theater, but like, it's also a theater that just like is exclusively old people. There's another movie on here that I also saw at a movie theater that they, that they did that a lady, her phone kept ringing and she didn't realize it for like 20 minutes. Wow, so we're talking <laughs> old people, old people, <laughs> like Motorola, like, do, 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 you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the Irishman, I mean, that's and it's a good movie. Th- it's, it's a, a great movie. movie. And it, it, I, I mean, actually just rewatched that this year and yeah enjoyed the shit out of it great it's a movie great film and it's it's it shows the caliber that if you can get martin scorsese on your side a guy who's been very vocal about his view on the industry of movies i mean you can come in and make him you know or give him like what 200 million dollars or whatever just fucking go crazy about some old guys yeah, yeah that's cool yeah <laughs> yeah wow so you saw that in theaters because i know that because yeah. what is it? it's like three and a half hours long right <laughs> yeah it was long yeah so yeah. what made you want to see that in theaters I just knew I wouldn't probably be able to pay attention at home. Like, cause I, I, right. I, I like watching movies at home, but like, I knew it's a long movie. It's not, you know, good fellas, you know, it, that movie's a little more fast and, and uh, hectic mm-hmm. where this, I knew was probably gonna be a slower burn. So I was like, I want to see it where I'm not going to be tempted. Good fellas is mob life on cocaine. 
uh, the Irishman is mob life on like old man Xanax. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the obvious first pick. I would have considered taking that, but I think that drama is their deepest category. So Absolutely. I may have zagged there. Now, mm-hmm. this leads me to an interesting choice. I'm sort of stuck between an action film and a comedy slash animated slash musical slash horror film. Now, <laughs> whew, I am going to select a choice in action, largely because I genuinely love this movie. Also, because I think it boasts one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Also, because it's one of the few franchises that Netflix has gotten off the ground. So for my first pick in action, I am taking Extraction. Now, Kay, did you see that coming or? Yeah, it was on my list too. But I I had a backup plan in case you took it. So so (laughs) I am going Extraction here. This came out when the pandemic first started. So we were thirsty for movies right? yeah. like, i remember i made like a little like a little night of it to myself to watch this movie like <laughs> i i you know told my friends don't bother me i'm locking my myself in my room made, <laughs> pop- <attraction. laughs> made popcorn had some wine lights off the whole thing and it's like a love child between john wick and the raid Absolutely. <laughs> i'm not saying it's as good as those but in terms of sheer kinetic action it's on that fucking level, right? Totally. And then you have Chris Hemsworth, I think, sort of solidifying the fact that he's an action star. Like Thor is very much CGI, right? There's not, mm-hmm. a, yes, he's he does some wired fighting and flying sure. and all that, but there's not really a chance for him to show off his action movie star chops. Yeah. As they said about Jason Bourne in 40 year old version, I used to think he was a bit of a Streisand, but he's rocking the <laughs> shit in this one. And, and Hemsworth absolutely kicks ass in this film. I think not only is he a force of nature in terms of brute strength, but he also delivers on the emotional aspect of it. When Tyler Rake, spoiler alert, gets shot and, and falls off a bridge, you're like, damn, like yeah. there goes my fucking dog. I'm really kind of bummed out about that now. <laughs> now, granted, they built in the teaser at the end, probably assuming that this would do well, which it mm-hmm. did. Extraction 2 is currently in the works, currently being filmed. Hopefully that means we get it by the end of this year. I, hope um, so. I think that they will only up the ante from here now that mm-hmm. it's sort of an established franchise. It wouldn't surprise me if they get like a shock cast. Like, the only casting name that we've heard so far is him. And the original had David Harbour in it. So it oh, really yeah. surprised me if somebody else pops up as like, a, oh shit, he's in this <laughs> too now. So that's my first pick. Extraction, awesome, awesome action flick. Yeah, I mean, there's a fucking awesome car chase sequence in that movie. Yeah, and then dude, I, the fucking director who was a yeah, former yeah, yeah. stuntman, Sam Hargrave, strapped himself yeah. to the hood of the car to film. Dude's a menace. He's really in the thick of it. And then I, I, I don't know if it's linked to that same scene or if it's a different scene. But there's like a cool knife fight in the middle of the streets or something too. So that's basically like one long take. It's, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. I mean, you can obviously see that they cut because sure. there's simply no way that you can film that in one take. Yeah. But it is this elaborate, it's sort of impressive one to. Yeah, it's fucking sweet movie. Yeah, that's such a great movie. Um, Triple Frontier is probably my action movie, which is kind of a drama too. But is it, that it's, your pick? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that I, was I, that was second on my list. Yeah. So we're on the same page. Yeah, so far. That but wow, you just awesome. opened a door for me that I did not think that you would. But oh no! <laughs> All right, because well. I actually recently rewatched this as well. 
Yeah, I, I need to watch it. I haven't seen it since it came out, but I remember loving it. And spoilers, if you haven't seen this movie, but... Spoiler, uh, spoiler, 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 spoiler. Ben Affleck gets fucking domed. Domed? <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, I, I remember I watched it with my dad, and we were just going to chill out and, you know, watch Ben Affleck kick some ass. And I'm like, I'm here for it. And and he looks at the camera and just boom, between the eyes. They don't shy away from showing Ben Affleck getting peace and i was uh, i remember screaming out no <laughs> i was like so heartbroken because he's the one guy in this movie that really has something to lose like he's got like a family and he's right and all this stuff and, and they make sure to remind you of that at every turn yes yeah it, it, but you know it's it's not a perfect movie but it's it's a satisfying movie it's kind of a high per, like i don't know prestigious action movie in a way you know it's not all about stunts and stuff it's it's got some layers to it, but uh, it's a really satisfying movie. And I think everyone in that movie holds their own. Charlie Hunnam, uh, Pedro Pascal. Um, Lead cast. It's it's amazing. Is that is that is that Boyd Holbrook? Or, Ooh, or no, 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 no. It's not him. It's um, all these fucking blondes look the exact same. <laughs> it's Garrett Hunlet or Headland. Yes, yes. Yeah. I see that. Yes. Um, but like they have like five legit like movie stars and not quite you know a-listers but you're like oh i know that dude and i fuck with that dude absolutely it's it's a it's a great movie it's it's some military boys doing some like you know special ops kind of stuff i mean they're like retired or whatever but uh it's it's like a heist movie too and it's it's a very effective uh heist movie yeah. i if, if Ben Affleck wasn't dead, I would have loved to see a sequel. The high, <laughs> the high set piece is dope. Yeah, it's it's really effective. It's very tense. And uh, and that I feel like that film was also and this, I think, should weigh into how listeners vote on who has the best list. That felt like a big turning point in Netflix's arc where it's like, I think so. Yeah. Now they're making movie star action movies, you know? Yeah. Like if yeah. that doesn't exist, who knows if extraction happens, you know? Right. Yeah. Cause this was a year prior. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I would say it's, it's one of their smartest gets. I don't know if they, well, I, I think they, they made it in house, right. That's as far as I understand. Yeah. Um, so I mean, really smart move. Um, there was something else I was going to say, but I completely forgot what it was, but, uh, I, I think it's one of their better movies, just period, not just of the genre, but I think mm-hmm. it's one of their, their most solid movies. All righty. Uh, so you've left the door open for me that I didn't think I, I would get. Now I'm going to speak on. So my next pick is going to be in the comedy animated horror genre. Now, I didn't think I was going to get a chance at this one. So I was actually going to take Klaus. I don't know if you've seen Klaus. Uh, no, I haven't. Klaus is an animated Christmas movie that is honestly one of my favorite Christmas movies, period. The end. It I watch like it is one of the few that I and I'm not like a christmas movie guy because i think what's appealing about them is more so like the holiday spirit vibe than the actual mm-hmm. movie itself klaus fucking rips like i want that's mm-hmm. one that i'll watch every year but i am not picking that because you have given me the opportunity to select the mitchells versus the machine i considered that one which just came out this past year it is contending for best animated feature at the oscars i think it could and should win produced by phil lord and chris miller since it's not a live action movie it's kind of hard for me to really delve into the plot details and what makes it good but it's just 
similar to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It has a very unique and original animation style. Mm-hmm. It's very meta. It's very self-aware. It's very winking. It's, it's lightning fast. Jokes are a thousand miles an hour. Both adults and kids can enjoy it. Uh, shout out to our friends over at Discussing Film who put out an awesome for your consideration campaign on social for that movie. If you haven't checked it out, do so. It is truly animation or not one of the best Netflix films of all time. I, I agree. I, I, I've only watched part of it and I want to get back to it. Oh, I, I got interrupted or whatever and I just never got back to it. But uh, yeah, it's it's a very flavorful, I feel like is a good way of describing it, mm. um, animated movie. And I, I don't know that it got the marketing it deserved. Uh, so I don't know if a lot of people have seen it. Which is which is disappointing because I don't hear many people really talking about it. So I hope that maybe at the Oscars it gets some recognition and that pushes people to go see it because I think that's how it kind of went with Into the Spider Verse. There's a lot of buzz on that movie, but the box office wasn't super hot for that one. Mm. So I, I plus I that hope... had the IP of being fucking Spider. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it should have been a billion dollar movie, right? Um, for my next pick in the uh, like, so or... you have two. So you have two so far, right? This is your third. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um. I, it's a toss up here, but I'll I'm going to go a little more lesser known, I guess. Uh, Creep and Creep 2. I'll, I'll do a, call, a double feature. Have you seen those movies? Even, no, I've never even heard of them. Great found footage horror movies. Um, Interesting. OK. Yeah. Creep, uh, it's called. Yeah. It's by uh, Mark Duplass. OK. Um, OK. And it's just really creepy. Like. <laughs> <laughs> It gives me the creeps, uh, but it's it's about this marketing one hundred and one, baby. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, and the, the posters, if you see those posters, you're like, that looks freaky. It's all like one of them is like a guy up some like stairs, and he's like backlit by like an amber kind of like light on his house, and it's just his kind of like uh, over you know his shadow, and it's like, oh, that looks really unnerving. Well, um, I've legit never heard of these. Yeah, it's it's um, it's really effective found footage uh almost kind Oof. of character study stuff 2014 bit old yeah and and the second one i think is 2017 um the the stuff i love about it is that it it's not jump scary it's it, you're spending a, a whole movie usually like it's about someone hanging out with a serial killer and you're constantly like when is he going to do something to this person uh the sequel in particular is the one i remember the most about uh is this girl who's like has like a YouTube show where she goes and meets people off Craigslist, like just weird guys. And he's like, is like, all right, what's your deal? And he's like, you know, I'm a documentary guy and I have lost my passion for film. And it turns out his documentaries are killing people. Uh, and it flashes back to the first movie. Um, and so throughout the movie, she's uncovering more about this guy and what's so fucking weird about him. And, uh, it's just really smart horror and with a found footage perspective. Cause a lot of found footage, I feel like goes into just like, ah, and just like, that's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not very fun in the end. Did you check out a uh, archive 81? That's a show, but no, I hear really good things about yeah. that. Yeah. That was cool. Similar sort of like documentarian right. spooky vibes. Uh, and I think this choice and me not hearing of it speaks to why I grouped horror in with comedy mm-hmm. animated musical, because Compared to Netflix action and drama, these genres are relatively underserved by them. I'm curious if that'll change in the years to come. Obviously, action and drama are like the two big budget blockbuster genres. 
But, you know, this has got a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a good movie. And, and not a lot of people. Wow. And not a lot of people have heard of it. So, yeah. All right. So let's just recap what you've got so far. You have The Irishman in drama. Mm-hmm. You have Creep in comedy, animated slash horror. And then you have Triple Frontier in action. So now your final two picks could be whatever you want. Right. I'm going to swing over to drama. This is hard. Drama is their deepest bench by far. Uh, so I'm going to go a little bit of personal taste here. I'm not sure it's in the pantheon of Netflix movies yet. I think it deserves to be. I genuinely think it's one of the best and most entertaining films that they've ever put out. I was lucky enough to interview the star, Jonathan Majors, and the director, James Samuel, this past fall. And that is The Harder They Fall. This mm. is one of the dopest Westerns, most fun, most alive most vibrant forget about westerns movies i've ever seen wow it has a movie star turn from jonathan majors it has a stacked cast includes the likes of majors uh lakeith stanfield uh idris elba uh zazie beats regina king i mean this cast is fucking loaded it while it's a drama it's not so much like a blockbuster it came with the franchise trapping of it set itself up for a sequel, given how much people liked this movie. It currently has an 88% Rotten Tomatoes, given how much fun James Samuel and Jonathan Majors seem to have making it. I feel like a sequel is sort of a no-brainer, especially when you consider how they set it up. Um, let me look real quick if it's contending for anything at the Academy Awards this year, because the costuming and the set design is incredible. So no nominations for it, but truly one of like the most sort of event Netflix films that I could remember. Like I was looking forward to this. I, I right. was hooked on the trailers. I read every piece of news. Oh, and it, it also stars Delroy Lindo, who also stars mm. in the five bloods, which would have been another choice of mine down the road. So that's my pick so far. I've got in drama, the harder they fall in action extraction and in animated, the Mitchells versus the machines. Cade. Go ahead. I'm gonna go with El Camino. Oh, you fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I thought yeah. I was going to steal that one. Yeah. Fuck I, you, dude. When I remembered that movie existed, I'm like, that's a, that's the other movie I saw in the theater with the you old lady on her fucking farm. Um, that movie rocks. Like I I was I was okay <sighs> with breaking bad being like over. Like I was like, so, you know, better call Saul is a thing, obviously, but I was ready to move on from those characters. But when they, they did this movie like in secret and then dropped it a month after, I know there were rumors and stuff, but the, I joked that I'm still trying to chase the high that I felt when they dropped that first trailer. It's so (laughs) good. Like, uh, they, they bring, you know, the heights of breaking bad into a, you know, two hour movie or whatever. And it's just a guy trying to get out of the fucking city. And it, that's all it is. It's just this guy who's like, I got to get out of here and start start anew. And he's lost everything. And he's he's revisiting some of the characters we've seen throughout the movies with purpose. They're not just there for, for cameo fun or whatever. Like, they all serve a purpose. And um, that kind of Western shootout scene where he, he goes in and he's got his revolver or whatever. And he just blows those guys away. I mean, come on. Like, I can't believe you did to me. <laughs> oh my God. Great I'm pick. glad I got that one. Great pick. That's and I mean, look, movie. man, the fact that Netflix was able to backdoor it's 
I put out a tweet last week. Breaking Bad has been in their trending that's what I was about to say. Yeah. For 10 years straight. Yeah. <laughs> like for a decade. And the fact that they were able to backdoor their way into being the home of the sequel Pad. movie yeah. is a, a, of the show itself, but then like yeah. the original home of the sequel movie. What a, a accomplishment. Yeah. I mean, it, I, it doesn't the story go that like the first couple seasons were good and like people watched it, but like it didn't take off until people found it. Correct. On so correct. And... So I didn't, so I didn't catch up live until season four, mm-hmm. but it was one of the first Netflix shows that right. like got people talking and like people signed up just to watch and yeah. and sort of created the Netflix model that we now all know and use. Exactly. So uh, in, in some way, I'm sure AMC and I, I think Sony is involved with that probably felt like indebted to Netflix and was like, you deserve this. You know, we're going to do this. You know, let's let's talk. Right. Wow. You fucker. That is a great <laughs> that is such a good pick. Oh man. That really puts me in a corner here. Cause I was, <laughs> I was banking on that one. I really was. Ugh. All right. So for my fourth pick in regards of what you just done, and this one is going to be controversial, right? Because I, I don't I think, think I know where you're going. Really? Yes. Yeah. Army of the dead. No, no, okay. it, it is on my list, but I'm not going there. So I'm going drama. I mean, not that this, like I've said, our fun don't need to be categorized but sure. just to explain i'm going drama and this movie is a massive critical hit commercially i'm not so sure i'm not sure the movie going public is as in love with this movie as the hard-boiled critics are but the reason that i'm going to pick it is because it's i think it's a legitimately great movie but because i think of the potential importance it's going to have in the lexicon or the pantheon of netflix's rise to film dominance so i'm going with the power of the dog okay now the reason that i'm taking that is because it is the odds on favorite to win best picture it's currently i think minus 350 which is a pretty big favorite you would have to bet 350 dollars to win 100 that is like three and a half to one odds that's a big betting favorite it's also probably going to win best director for jane campion which would mark the first time that netflix unless um Unless Roma took home the prize for best director, which I don't think it did. Don't think so. That that's what I thought you were gonna say, just because I've that's kind of the one that started Roma. it all. I I've never either. seen Roma, so um, and I actually have films on here that I haven't seen, and would just <laughs> and was like prepared to take like, based <laughs> just backup on, like, plans. Yeah. So I'm going Power of the Dog because not only do I think it's going to bring Netflix the Oscars gold that they've literally been making movies specifically for since they really dove in about four or five years ago. But I also think that there's a legitimate chance that Benedict Cumberbatch upsets Will Smith for best actor. So when you consider, and I know that the Oscars aren't what they were, but when you consider how much money Netflix has put into accomplishing this goal, Mm -hmm. combine the fact that it is, I think when the movie all clicks into place, it works. I understand people not feeling that way. It is the slowest of burns. I mean, right. when I say click into place, I'm talking the last 15 minutes when you're finally like, oh, I get what this movie's about now. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it is definitely um, not war of attrition, but viewership of attrition. You really got to knuckle down and forge through. But I think once you do, it's a rewarding experience. So I think the combined quality that it has, the accolades that it is receiving, and also catching Benedict Cumberbatch in the midst of his like 
Doctor Strange, No Way Home, on his way to becoming one of the biggest stars in the world moment is mm. key for me. Yeah, it's an interesting pick because we've we've talked about actors and directors or whatever getting thrown a bone because they've been in discussions for so long about various different projects but never gotten it. I think it's funny to say Netflix is an underdog, no pun intended, but like, <laughs> uh, you know, they kind of are like they're they're this black sheep of the Oscars. They're like, hey, we don't like those movies. They're you for can't streaming. sit with us. Yeah, exactly. Go sit at the other lunch table. So it, it's like. At some point, I think they're they just have to get recognized and be like, okay, yeah, you made a good fucking movie, okay? Yeah, yeah. come over now, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right, yeah. Kay, what is this? Your fifth and final? Yeah, there's there's a few on here that I'm I'm debating. One's like a big blockbuster. One's uh, another Oscar movie that I think might have won something, but um, I'm I'm trying to think. Um, I'll go for the blockbuster. I'll I'll say Army of the Dead. I like okay. that movie. Fair uh, enough. That may make some people not vote for my list now, but uh, I, I do don't like know that if movie. the Snyder heads find it. Though, yeah, I'll, they'll, I'll, they'll I'll spam put a call. But <laughs> I need your help. I'm I'm a Snyder stand. Um, put the out, other one I was put out gonna, that symbol. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I the other one I was thinking about picking was Marriage Story. I mm. really like that movie. That movie got me pretty good. Um, I think. Both those actors are, are phenomenal in that movie, but I'll go for the blockbuster pick. Hopefully, just me acknowledging that will be like, okay, kids, all right. But uh, Army of the Dead uh, was a movie. Fun yeah, movie. Yeah. Army of the Dead is a movie that I also saw in a theater because I did it for like two weeks ahead of release. And I, I remember going and and that's that's a movie that should be seen on like a really big screen, in my opinion, that the movie's really good, um, like big and loud. And I just, I enjoyed, you know, it's not perfect. I don't love the depth of field shit he's doing in that movie where everything's blurry as shit. But uh, I, I think it's a fun, effective zombie movie. And that's kind of where he belongs. I feel like doing original stuff where he can just be free. He's not beholden to properties that people are very protective over. Because right. uh, he likes to put his stamp on things. This is the way I'm going to do it. And here's how we're going to do it. You know, Arnie, that's a completely new property. Uh, and I, I think that's a really fantastic thing that they did. Uh, and just the whole, like, we got to go into Vegas and it's, they're dropping a nuke in Vegas. And then, you know, uh, spoiler alert, pretty much no one makes it out of that movie alive. Right. <laughs> I think maybe the daughter does and that's, that's it. But uh, Dave Batista goes out with a bang and there's like a boss zombie. I mean, it's just a fun movie. Yeah. I think it's a, it's yeah. a fun movie. Yeah, definitely on my list as well. All right, this is tough for me. I'm torn between a drama and an action. I'm torn between going for prestige and going for something I genuinely enjoy. I'm talking <laughs> right now because I'm trying to make up my mind. <laughs> um, and considering that I want to win this draft, I'm going to go drama. And I brought this film up before, and I'm going with The Five Bloods. It boasts a all-time director in spike lee mm -hmm. um it boasts one of chadwick boseman's final performances and he is fantastic in it it is a hybrid of everything that you love about spike lee with sort of like a i think it's the vietnam war with like a mm -hmm. vietnam war story this also came out during the pandemic so it was came a time where we were thirsting for movies and this quenched my thirst like samuel when he drinks that sprite in pulp fiction <sighs> <laughs> and then, I mean, five bloods. I was all my other choice was going now. I 
believe the five bloods 2020 let me just look real quick if it racked up any nominations because i thought it might have uh so yeah it was nominated oh wow it only they only nominated it for best original score but regardless spike lee at spike lee's best great cast great movie the other choice that i was thinking about here which came out last year that i think i enjoyed it more than most was gunpowder milkshake i like really like that fucking movie yeah. i don't know if you've seen it or not but no I, i've seen the trailers it looked fun oh kick-ass movie so those were my sort of final two so my five i've got in drama the harder they fall i've got in action extraction i've got in animated the mitchell's verse the machines and then in wild card i have the power of the dog and Defy Bloods. Cade? Uh, for uh, drama, I have uh, what did I pick? The Irishman. Um, for uh, horror, uh, Creep 2 or Creep 1, both of them really good double feature. Um, action, I have Triple Frontier. And then for my extras, I have El Camino and Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead. Those um, are good list. Now, real quick, yeah. I, I just want to run through the my sort of main list because while I have seen like 90% of these, I haven't seen all of them, but I would recommend them all the same. So in drama, my list was The Irishman, The Heart of They Fall, The Power of the Dog, El Camino, Defy Bloods, Beast of No Nation, the Devil, the Devil All the Time, The Trial of the Chicago Seven, Roma, Marriage Story, and The Lost Daughter. In action, I have Extraction, Triple Frontier, Army of the Dead, The Old Guard, I Am Mother, Gunpowder Milkshake, Bird Box, which is a big one that we didn't touch on. That for a time was like the biggest Netflix film ever. Uh, (laughs) And Red Notice, because just due to sheer star power, I think it deserves a shout. And then in comedy, animated, musical, and horror, smallest list, despite the fact that it's four genres, Mm. I've got the Mitchell's verse, the Machines, Klaus, I Lost My Body, Don't Look Up, Always Be My Maybe, I Care A Lot, Gerald's game and tick tick boom. Oh, tick tick boom. I can't believe I didn't even consider that. I'm a fucking idiot. Um that's why I added musical in there for that one movie. <laughs> Jesus, I'm an idiot. Um there was uh two movies I, I didn't use. Um The Guilty. I thought that was actually pretty solid. I know it got okay. mixed reviews. I, I actually Dylan really enjoyed Hall, right? it. Yeah. Uh he's you know carries that movie on his back. It's really just him mm-hmm. uh, and some some people on the phone. And then I also had the worst Netflix movie I've ever seen, uh, Cloverfield Paradox. That movie's a fucking joke. Really? It's that um, bad, huh? That that movie, because the whole story was like it was a completely different movie. And they were trying to test their luck like they did with 10 Cloverfield Lane, where they also reworked that into a Cloverfield movie. Um, and they're like, all right, we're going to turn this into a Cloverfield movie and we're going to connect all of them. And I... And, they dropped it on Super Bowl night, surprise, stealth drop, and made a big deal of it. And uh, fucking terrible. I disgusting. Yeah, I think that killed their stealth drop model as well. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> and it could have been such a good thing for them to like move forward with that. But they, and I'm sure it like did well commercially because you you went on after the Super Bowl and you watched the movie and it was just like a punch in the fucking face. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that movie. Speaking of Matt Reeves, you know, I hope he had no involvement. Right, in that. involvement in that one. <laughs> All right, I fun draft. I love a good draft. The reason that we did that draft because, as I spoke about at the top, I am interviewing Stranger Things, Free Guy, and the Adam Project director Sean Levy. The Adam Project, 
hits Netflix on Friday, March 11th. So check out our conversation with Sean now. Folks, today I'm joined by Sean Levy, director of projects such as Night at the Museum, Stranger Things, Free Guy, and The Adam Project, which hits theaters, I'm sorry, excuse me, which hits Netflix. Yeah, come on now. Now you're getting us into controversy. <laughs> which, <laughs> my brain is just starting to get back to the way that the world was, but I've got to remember that some things still do just stream, which hits Netflix on March 11th. Sean, congrats on the film, and thank you for joining me today, sir. Good to be here, man. Um, I want to start with both this film specifically and big picture. I think one of the strengths of this film, your recent work with Ryan and your career as a whole is your ability to capture unexpected yet earned earnestness. Um, I think you're really able to tap into empathy, which is ultimately to me, the heart of storytelling. What do you think the key to that is? Well, first of all, thank you. And I guess I always wanted to tell stories and I've tried to commit myself to telling stories that are not simply what's expected of the genre, right? So like back when I was making Real Steel and everyone thought it was a boxing robot movie, yeah, it has some rad robots that box, but I knew I was making a father-son redemption story. Similarly, Free Guy, oh, you think it's about a video game action comedy, but no, I'm gonna use this NPC idea to tell a story about personal empowerment in the midst of a dystopian world. So I'm always looking for how can the movie subvert expectations and above all, how can it connect emotionally? Uh, and, and so I'm always looking for that, that sweet spot and that kind of pulsing beating heart at the center of the story. And so it's no accident that that's what shows up and, pretty much everything I ever direct. Do you seek projects that have that trait or is that a result of you imbuing your own ideas and themes into them? Uh, that's a great question. Sometimes it's already baked in. Like Adam Project, even the very first draft that Ryan and I read, it was already inherently emotional. Night at the Museum, no. Night at the Museum was, oh, crazy museum comes to life. But I was like, no, no, this has to be about a guy who hasn't believed in himself and whose kid hasn't believed in him in so damn long. And he takes the crappiest job imaginable and finds that he's extraordinary, right? That was me injecting a resonant theme into the husk of a cool idea. So sometimes it's inherent, sometimes it's injected, but what matters is that by the time you as an audience watch the movie, it's there and you feel it, whether or not you expect it. Yes, sir. Uh, and so on the Adam Project, what, I mean, I guess we just kind of touched on it, but what about this specific story drew you to it? Have you ever fantasized about whether it be time travel or having a conversation with your past or totally. future self? Yeah, totally. I mean, as, as, yeah. So on a general level, it was the fact that it was an opportunity to do a sci-fi adventure that was decidedly more emotional than cerebral. So on a, on a broad scope level, that was very appealing to me, but, but, but on a very specific level, I don't think there's anybody who hasn't at some point or another wished they could go back and better understand their own history, their younger selves, their parents, and make peace with that history. So whereas a lot of time travel movies are about save the world, 
Adam Project is really about one man saving himself. Mm-hmm. And that's through a revisitation of his own history and realizing that, oh, wait a second, the stories I tell myself about my past aren't entirely accurate. And I know that's true of every human who ever lived. You very cleverly uh, explain that in the film when the two characters are talking to each other and the younger one says like, you have forgotten some things that I am currently living through, man. Like you, exactly. it's funny that even your past self could have knowledge that your future self doesn't. And I bet that would be the case for all of us, but that's such a rich idea. And I think the movies that I love most are, are escapist and, and, and spectacle filled and comedic, but they're about an idea that feels really juicy. And for me, for an idea to be juicy, it needs to compel my feelings in addition to my brain. It's why we spent five years on Arrival, for instance. Arrival was always a sick story and a cool script and a cool idea. But we knew that what would make or break it was that feeling, that feeling of would you choose love if you know love dies? Funny That's story about why, that. I go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Dude, anyway, just that. Like, I really am always looking, whatever the genre I'm looking for, where's the idea that is both intellectually, but also emotionally resonant and relatable. Well, so you bring up something that I want to touch on. I jokingly, but seriously say that my favorite genre is not sci-fi, but romantic sci-fi with, with a romance story at the heart of it that just has the sci-fi trapping. So to that point, lovers finding each other across timelines, you know, I'll find you again type thing is one of my favorite cinematic tropes. Uh, were there any specific inspirations for the romance arc in this film, which features an always awesome Zoe Saldana? I mean, she was my favorite part of this film. She's on the screen probably the least, but she is just magnetic, man. Well, she is magnetic. And, and amazingly, she's magnetic on both ends of the spectrum in a way that is very, very rare. She is both a fierce, badass action hero and she plays these achingly romantic scenes uh, with huge passion and huge sincere heart. So I agree, I'm a huge fan. I've always been a fan, but I feel like in spite of whatever the screen time is, Adam Project is such a showcase of the actor that she is. It's something that I'm more in general, very proud of with Adam Project is it's a lot of famous people, but it's reminding us before they were celebs, They were just dope actors. The work that Jen Garner does in this movie, the work that Ryan Reynolds does in this movie, right? Everyone kind of delivers on their sweet spot, but reminds you also that they just have straight up acting chops for days. Um, That being said, there are that kind of, I will find you across time, uh, those kind of iconic tropes of that genre. And I'm, it's a rarity that I draw a blank, Um, but, I too have always loved those kind of, just this notion of meant to be epic romance. And so while while I was more conscious about kind of some of the more Amblin touchstones that inspired oh. me in making Adam Project, we can talk about those if you want. For me, I'm sounding like a film illiterate that I can't name a single 
epic romance. I put you on the spot, Give man. Give me I'm one. Sorry. How about you help me out? Like I'm cheating off your paper. Well, so so the most recent one that I encountered was the HBO Max show Station Eleven. I don't know if you had heard of it, but I have a- not seen it. But it is. I, I basically the whole point of Twenty One Laps, my company, is I have like 18, 19 people who work for me, and they are essentially my taste army. So they are all out there ingesting culture on every front with every genre, every kind of tone. And they're constantly feeding me shit I need to watch. That's one of them. And I just haven't gotten to it yet. But the reason that I bring that up is because in the trailer, it features a line. Heaven can wait. Hold on. Thank God. I just, re- oh my God. Redemption. Heaven can wait. There. Perfect. Next question, motherfucker. <laughs> oh man, buddy. All right. Let me, um, Let me ask you about your star, Ryan. You guys, I think you're very simpatico in terms of what you like to put forth on film and what he does well. What is it that Ryan brings to the table that differentiates him from his fellow A-list square-jawed stars? I know. The jaw (laughs) makes me sick. I'm so jealous. Um, He has the pecs, the jaw, the shoulders, the slim legs. By the way, actually, I'm going to take that statement as a way into your answer. Here's what he has different. Ryan Reynolds has a scene in the movie in a tank top. He looks ridiculously good, okay? We're there shooting with this 12-year-old kid who plays young Ryan Reynolds. Ryan was feeding insults about himself for the 12-year-old to say. So literally, Ryan's there. And he goes, hey, Walker, Walker, make a joke about how everyone from the future must skip leg day. (laughs) Because that's Ryan recognizing the fact that he has spindly little legs, massive, awesome on camera upper body. So what makes Ryan unique is the self-effacement, the ability to call BS on himself. He has elevated that self-deprecating humor to an art form. Mm -hmm. Also, as an addendum, he has a sweetness to him that Mm. is so palpable, whether it's in definitely maybe or proposal or Deadpool or free guy. And now Adam project, there is the funny, there is the square jaw handsomeness, but there is a sweetness to him that for me is reminiscent of like a Jimmy Stewart fundamental goodness. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting because a few people have mentioned that free guy and Adam project, there's almost like a Capra esque kind of fable quality to both. And I know I'm inspired by Ryan's kind of every man, but better than every man. Right. Quality. Well, since you guys have had such a successful relationship so far, this film is not yet out, but I'm assuming it's going to stack up numbers. Do you guys have anything else in the works right now? Do you have any interest in making the jump with him to Marvel for Deadpool 3? What do you guys have cooking? I've been media coached to within an inch of my life. Also, Van City Reynolds coached to within an inch of my life. So you know I'm not answering that last one. Um, I will just say that I am a fan. Of I the have Marvel to try, movies. Sean. Uh, bro, of course. Where are we going next? Stranger Things. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, we are developing at this very moment already four movies oh, wow. to do together, one of which is the only one we've announced, which is a sequel to Free Guy. We are both in the middle of our lives, in the middle of our careers. So we know a great thing when we stumble onto it. And this partnership 
Mm. We know it's a good thing. We're not letting go anytime soon. It's palpable, man. I totally agree. Thank you. Now, if you you. don't mind, I do want to ask you about Stranger Things, if that's okay. See, I'm a prophet. Talk to me about the continual process of upping the ante without overindulging or jumping the shark, whether that be in terms of Eleven's powers or the monsters that they have to face. And how does that bear itself in season four? I will tread carefully with my words. Mm. You will definitely see an escalation in season four in terms of scope, challenges, character depth. Cinematic scope is almost incomparable to what we've done in the prior three seasons. But the thing about the Duffers that I have always recognized as their superpower is that, yes, are they genre wonk nerds galore? Hell yes. Are they getting to play with every toy any movie nerd could ever dream of? Hell yes. But they have always understood that the actual special sauce of Stranger Things is the heart of these characters and the connections between them. It's an anthem to outcasts. And the brothers are coming from a very sincere and authentic place and telling that story. So they know, and I'm around to remind them of this if they ever forgot, but they never need my my reminders. We can go bigger, but we gotta always anchor in to our superpower, which is the heart of these characters and these relationships. So I think that's what keeps us from losing our way or jumping the shark is balance the scope with the intimate. Mm. And the Duffers have a phenomenal intuitive sense of how to do that. All right, Sean. So one more before I wrap up, and I hope for the short time that we've talked, you've gotten a sense of who I am as a guy. So trust me when I say I'm not trying to gotcha here. I think it's a genuinely viable thing to ask. And if you want to skip it, go ahead. Given what's going on in the world right now, I was wondering, does season, do you look at season four's Russian setting differently? Do you think it will register with audiences differently given the new context that we all have? It's totally possible. I haven't given it a lot of thought, but the reality is that everything looks different now. Everything looks different in light of these events if we are sensitive, globally aware people. And so I can't predict how it will change the read of certain things, but I think it's inevitable. And like you and the rest of us, I am watching day by day uh, with profound prayers and hopes for the millions of people who do not deserve what they are going through. Right. All right, Sean, thank you so much for your time. I find that all of your work has a huge heart. And now that I've gotten to meet you, I can see where that comes from. So <laughs> thank you very much. Like sir. it you, or hate it. You're this an absolute, me. you're an absolute firecracker. And I wish you all the best. Thanks the brother. Nice. I enjoyed our chat. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sean. Take care, man. Bye bye. All right. Thank you, Sean, for joining us. As you can tell, that man is wired up to 11. Really enjoyed our chat. Fun guy. You could see where the personality of his films come from. Uh, It's March now. We're heading into spring. We're heading into primetime blockbuster territory. Sort of the big next big thing that we're going to cover on the show is Moon Knight, which premieres on March 30th. We also have Morbius allegedly on April 1st. If that who knows, that may secretly be. Cloverfield Paradox 2. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then next week sees the release of Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas's extremely horny, bonk-worthy movie, Deepwater, which I'm actually going to check out the screen tonight. I hope it's good. I'm excited ben, for that. Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas can't really go wrong. Maybe we'll draft or maybe we'll do a Hall of Fame. Not quite sure. 
make sure you join us for that i hope you all enjoy the adam project i hope you all enjoy the batman if you're seeing it for a second third and fourth time Cage, i will talk to you next week my friend all right all right all right y'all peace My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. <laughs>